0: watch a show on TV and I'm like, or on on Amazon the other day. And I'm like, I think this like, I can't say for certain, I'm not going to go and say it's definitely the case, but, but like, how would I know that this is not like 100% AI generated, like from like the deep fakes for the actors, like, you know, all the visuals to the storyline and the script. Like if you can, if if AI can pump out a, a 10,000 word term paper in, any like uh, um subject, not only any subject, but a style of writing. Like you can go and say like, I want to create in this style or that right, style. Like right. there's so, and you can do that instantaneously. Like, why wouldn't it do a movie? Why couldn't it do a TV show? Why couldn't it, Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's right. like, of course, like all of that, like all of the art, like this goes back to that conversation when we were on that, um, that panel discussion together uh, a couple months ago and there was this guy and he was like, yeah, well, should AI be baptized? Like, I mean, I think it's facetious, <laughs> with the question, but I was just like, do you not realize like what, like, like everything that you think that a human being does is going to be like at least theoretically done by, by technology. Then why are you alive? What is your purpose?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> like like what, what what the only purpose you would have to exist is to consume
1: right right well i think people are so co- corporate fanboys over like progress and uh, you know things being innovative uh, this illusion of creating like a new and better thing that yeah they just expect everything to form to that bias uh, that, that we're living are, are in. We a per- record, let me ask you this are we recording right now <laughs> should we not we should be yeah we are <laughs> i i hit the are button we, like we, two we, minutes we, ago we, so we didn't get the whole thing but yeah yeah we're recording
0: so, so let, let's keep on going down this and then we'll maybe loop back into like an intro shortly but um like well to me it's so it's like, it, it's ridiculous how everyone doesn't just, just see the writing on the wall of, like, like there's this, this idea that when someone looks at the role of technology in our lives right now, like, think about, like, all of the things which we do, which goes through technology, and then go and compare that to five years ago. And like, what well, you know, just, just like the general thing, like it's changed, it's increased. Why would you think that that, that trajectory is not going to at least stay the same, if not increase, mm-hmm. like the speed of it, like five years from now, the role of technology is going to be that, like, like there's this, this thing, which I think, which, which people do like the, the. The person who, and I understand why, or at least I have a, a an appreciation as to why someone would hold this position. Um, but like, okay, well, this is how it is now. And this is just kind of like how it's going to be or maybe minor changes, but but everything is changing. Like there's a trajectory which is very easy to follow to see where it's going towards. And there's not, if you don't readily step off it, no way the, the you're you're it's never good. you're not going to get off it it's it's literally going to be like it's we will be there just like five years ago like you probably like someone could have maybe had a little bit of a inclination as to um where the where where technology like how life is just there's certain things you can't do anymore without technology right
1: mm-hmm.
0: right like anything from like uh, uh, if you're going to drive a highway or a toll road and some toll roads no longer accept money, right? Though at least you don't necessarily have to have like the, the, the easy pass, but they'll send you the picture by, uh, the plate by mail.
1: Yeah. Uh, I they mean, send that's you just like, <laughs> uh,
0: I saw this recently. Um, there was, someone got a warning by mail. So think about that. Like think about like in the way the world used to be, that you're maybe you're going like five or ten miles over the speed limit, and the cop pulls you over, and they're maybe just like sniffing around a little, seeing like oh you know is there anything else going on in this person's car? Everything else checks out, and then they let you off with a warning, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like that used to happen. So now, like I like normally i've gotten i've gotten tickets in Maryland. i know i i only in maryland is where it's happened but i've gotten like uh like you know you here's a picture of your your car and you're speeding now give us like 72 dollars or whatever the thing was um which is crazy as is but now they're also doing warnings with that so the the assumption is like there's a thought out process of like just like everything just being monitored and like like, like the world is going to change so fast. and Like, it's just logical that, that that's gonna, I mean, either take, take money directly from your bank account. Why would they even, why would they even um, give you like the opportunity to sign anything? Like, it's like, here's your picture. You're going to say this wasn't you. Like, you know, there's no like course to, to, of, of, to fight this. And so just like, you know, I'm just using a ticket as an example, but the technology, is growing in such a way and it's becoming so integrated with just like regular day-to-day life that if it doesn't, if we don't collectively um, wake up and not be, as you say, like the fanboys to progress and like to have some degree of clarity as to like how consciousness works, like that's where, where this, this, this realm is going. Mm. Or at least the people are, are still by technology. I mean, the question I have is like, if everyone gets caught up in technology, is there another like do do two two, two different uh, realities exist maybe like simultaneously and they don't bleed in? I don't, I don't know. We're going to discover that, but but that is, um, I mean, to me, is the the most important thing which anyone should be thinking about right now is like technology and not necessarily all in a fear-based place, but then also like the bigger question is like, we are this deep into technology. Like You can't pretend that we haven't, we're not all addicted to it, we're not all part of it. But then the question being like, well, okay, well then if we want to move away from technology, like what would that look like and what are the potentialities?
1: Mm, Right. Yeah, and I I think, you know, a lot of people would be surprised to find out, like, a lot of the things that we take for granted uh, now were met with resistance, uh, you know, 100 years ago when they were first introduced. For instance, like, uh, you know, we were talking about this today earlier when the comic book conversation was going on, but when... They first started having the ability to like mass produce images along with text, you know, before it was just like maybe one or two plates at the beginning of a chapter. Then they started, you know, creating what became, you know, pulp fictions and uh, and the, uh, you know, the funny pages of newspapers. that was met with people saying, like, are you kidding me? They're going to rob our children of their imagination by creating visual images, Uh, you know, and people hear that today, they think, well, that's silly. You know, I could read something, and I could still have an imagination, but, I mean, who's to say that our imaginations maybe were uh, maybe more vivid back then uh, before this technology augmented, you know, what was once something that you could only you know, engage with in your mind.
0: I mean, I, th- I think that's a really interesting point, um, particularly as it relates to imagination. Um, and I would, I would tend to like, like one, the the point that there's so many things that are just like part of life nowadays that at one point they were introduced into reality and they were fought initially. And then, it wasn't fought hard enough and then it just became like so status quo that we generations later didn't even realize there was once a life or an option to not live without that. Like another, uh, like an example of that being insurance. But like you didn't used to have to have insurance to drive a car. I mean, that's not necessarily saying like it's not, it's you probably want to have insurance. You wouldn't get sued, I suppose. But like certain things like that, um, there's so many like rules and laws of what you need to have in order to just to exist. where at some point it wasn't like that. Um, and one of the points I want to make is like that's how quickly it happens. Like all of this stuff with technology, it's like it's happening so fast. And then five years in the future, we didn't even realize how we got to wherever it's going to be bringing us to. There's um, so I think that's an interesting point. But where I really want to lean into is this idea of of imagination so the the you know the example which which you gave forth was like well you know was our imagination more more vivid but i i think about the nature of imagination all the time and um i think that our our current our current use of the word imagination is often like, tied into, like, maybe something like, like, just that, like, being, like, creative to make, like, a really cool piece of art or write an interesting story. But that's not really what what I think imagination is is about. Imagination is the ability to to, um, hold in your mind space what the future may look like, okay? And so where I'm going with all of this is... I talk to people about this a lot. I'm like, you know, like what, what, like the idea of what would culture look like or what would society look like without money, or at least without the money system the way we are, and, or even without technology, because we would talking about technology as of right now, and people begin to tell me why that's not even possible. They are unable to imagine what a reality would be like we're like, well, money isn't the thing that like kind of like regulates everything. So when we talk about like the imagination going away, or maybe even more so like I'll, I'll tie it back to the funny pages, like what you're talking about, what these things do, these pulp fictions, these movies, the, like all of the predictive programming is it shapes the imagination to only think like this is the way which we can exist. So it's like the imagination is like, well, well, the only way I can picture reality is within this frame of understanding, which has already been laid out for me. It's like, oh yeah, well you have to have money. Like that's what, that's what keeps order. And like, you get up and then like, you get a job and you got to go and pay? And like, you know, you need to have taxes or you need to go and, 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 you know, whatever, all of the, The structures of our reality, which are, you know, our day-to-day lives nowadays that no one even questions, like we can't even imagine what that, what life would be like without those purposes, those per, and what is the ultimate purpose is, is to, to feed the, the false reality, to feed the paradigm, to feed the machine, like that's what all that is for. And so there's a real truth to that. Like, yeah, those, the funny like all of the media, all of the medium, what it does is it does shape and limit the imagination because it dictates the images in all of our minds of what reality is. And then also creates a consensus reality. It shapes it in a certain way. And then and then it shapes everyone's that way that we hold it, that it becomes the self, the self- referencing and self-reflecting, um, you know, truth with a quotation marks around it. Hmm.
1: Hmm. I think that's kind of, you know, again, touching on what I was discussing earlier, it's kind of like this the uncanny valley that we're approaching. And Thomas has even experimented with this. Thomas is the guy behind Paranoid American, a comic book company and now a sort of YouTube channel. But he he created this meme that was essentially like a fake television show. like one of these like clips that you would see like in a, in a meme form where it's like, remember this old TV show? Maybe it has like a, a image of a scene. And it looked like kind of like Alf. And he was like, look, this is a Romanian version of ALF. It's a, it's a It was on Romanian television. And he's like, look, you know, showing me this. And it was a total fake. It was a ruse, but it was so convincing the way this AI generated this image and, like, the story that went along with it. Uh, I was, for a second, like, Googling, like, when did this reality, you know. And the funniest part was instead of ALF, Like the whole joke was that they translated it to Baal instead of Alf. So it was like, you know, friendly Baal in your child's like, you know, house like play, you know, Uh, and it it didn't look like Alf. It looked like, you know, weird, spooky kind of creature but in puppet puppet form you know like they did back in in this and i'm looking at this i'm like this is a real tv show but no it was all all fake and i asked thomas i'm like what do you think like there's a possibility that this kind of thing could like become true like he like he or somebody creates something with an ai generator and then it gets written into, like, a Wikipedia article, and the next thing you know, like, a clip surfaces, you know? Like, it, it kind of, like, creates itself, you know, from a meme. Like, it, could it could it become a real thing?
0: So, so let, let me let me pause you right now. First, that's hysterical, like, the, the way the guy did that. Um, Romanian Alf and Ball. like, that's, the, the, <laughs> the dude's funny. Like, that's really funny. Secondly, that's how reality works. That is how reality works. Reality is consensus reality. It can be tricked. And where you are in consciousness, in and th- this is like egregore, what you're describing is an egregore. It's like, you know, enough people believe in it and like, there's a little bit of like machination in the beginning. Like you got to get it going, but then it takes on a life for itself.
2: Mm. Like
0: that's an ARG. That's all of this sort of stuff. Like that is how reality works. And like that might be an extreme by doing it through technology. Like that, like technology is another reality. Like I'm not saying where technology doesn't exist, but like when you, you, this is, when we when we live in like a consensus reality meaning that it is there is something that happens when multiple people have the same perspective and indoctrination or understanding of what reality is or what's happening when they see something oh this means that and then the more people that 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 agree upon that um it takes life that's what consensus reality kind of means. Um, like just the fact that everyone agrees, like, oh, this line right here on this side is Canada and this side is the United States. And if you live on that side, this is who you pay your taxes to if you live on this side. This is who you pay your taxes to, or what have you. Like that's, that's consensus reality, but it becomes real reality, right? Because like enough people buy into it, but then all of consensus reality is ultimately consciousness driven. We are in a consciousness driven reality and it's consensus reality. And at the end of the day, like how the few people, whoever they may be, you know, whoever that they may be, whatever, like, cause it's all a mystery. We don't know how we got here. Like those that are outside of the narrative, which everyone else lives within, like, that's a very real thing. The people who work in, in Switzerland at the bank of international settlements, you know, the the central bank, central bank, I guarantee every motherfucker who who works there has such a different understanding of money than like your typical person in the world. Like, you know, like they're outside of that realm, but like, that's how reality works. And it is like, the more we realize, like it's not like the exception, like there's like a regular reality, how it's going to be, if it wasn't for everyone believing these like different stories, and then the stories come to life, as to realize like no, that's that's just kind of what happens. Is like what you're going to believe, and the more you believe it, the more other people believe it. So you think it's more true. Well, then you're going to act upon it, and something crazy happens. Like it spills over, and I don't know why, but like that's how it works. And so this goes back what to like I would say the beginning of the, of this conversation, which is like I don't know if we we're recording. When you when you started talking about the guy who was mentioning MK Ultra, mm-hmm. and I was asking you, I was like, "Well, did he have anything new to say?" Um, to me, all of this MK Ultra programming is the uh, the weaponized, like the really really strong weaponized approach of driving. Uh, uh, the the primary paradigm of culture right now in the direction that we've been driven, like you know, by keeping everyone's consciousness consciously or purposefully off balance with like one scary story after another scary story after esoteric and like subliminal ritual, all while it's like blending into this technology where it's all going like like those are t- all of this to me is like one very very tightly interwoven story right and what like the the valley that you mentioned a moment ago i think is like the 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 coming to the realization like um this this also ties into what i've been calling the post conspiracy theory era is like we're done the conspiracy theories there's no more theory like this is how it works and you're either going to continue To like play that game and continue to be like the fanboy of like the next, like deciphering this pop culture, like which is just a self referencing sort of thing, or you're going to begin to realize this is how reality works and it's consciousness driven and it's consensus driven. And then, what are we, how are we going to act now knowing this? I'm going to say the majority of people are going to sit around and they're like, they're going to, they're going to wait because we're fearbit we've been we've been traumatized since the since you've been born since the moment they took you out and shined that bright light in your face in the hospital and they started giving you shots and taking blood you've been traumatized the moment you've been born we all have so because of that we're in a constant state of fucking like shock and, and like we just don't want to be freaked out anymore as much as you think like you know we're 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 balanced but there's going to be some of us who are just like all right like now's the time Right. And what does that look like? Well, that looks like drastically, drastically like, like, I mean, I, I, and this is where I'm hoping this conversation is going to go. Mark is like, you know, what's going on in Mike's life right now, because what's going on in Mike's life right now is the application of exactly what we're talking about, which is this kind of like, well, well, fuck, you know, now is like now or never. Like, you know, thumbing the nose at all of the values that the paradigm teaches everyone to go by in order to feed the machine. Uh, but to do that, not for my own sake, but to begin to hold the energy or hold the space and demonstrate and be able to articulate it and be able to explain in such a way that maybe a handful of people are going to be able to grasp it, creating some degree of consensus. And what is it? It's a very, very different but grounded reality. I mean, it's the same thing you've been doing, you and Tara have been doing with, with like, the the scene, but, like, really moving out of that reality. Because if we don't, in in five years, it's comic books aren't going to be friggin' writing themselves they're probably doing that right now in five years like <laughs> you're going to be in a friggin' AI pod
1: oh man well yeah and I, I you know we don't need to dwell on those subjects we're just catching up here the uh, original reason I wanted to record a is because it's It's been too long. I know you've been very busy. You've been moving and grooving. Uh, You're in a a wonderful new relationship. So I don't blame you. I'm not over here, you know, whining or anything. But I do miss you. We haven't done a show in a while. But uh, I think, you know, our audience would like a little bit of an update. I do want to say before you go ahead and update us, uh, there will be an episode coming out with our buddy Austin. There is a problem with the recording and uh, I did try to reiterate what was lost in the intro. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we don't have all the time this evening to get into that as well. But uh, I think we ought to have another maybe schedule a, another time to have Austin on and just kind of continue that conversation because we got into some interesting stuff with him. It's just unfortunate uh, my roadcaster failed on me that day. So. Uh, no worries. Fix the issue, but still.
0: You've- so so the, the Austin conversation was so freaking good.
1: And that was so ab- around the time that you were just about to leave, right? Like you had I think Yeah, I was I was
0: down in Florida when we recorded that.
1: Right, okay, okay. I
0: was in record I was in Florida and the one of the things which I would say why I wanted Austin to come on the show was Um, I recognize, I recognize in, in people, uh, what I'm going to, what I'm going to define or the word I'm going to use is, uh, a magnetization. And what a magnetization means is they have something within them that makes the outer world warp to them as opposed to what someone with less magnetization is that they are more warped by the outer world okay yeah and that dude that dude's got it like just like i would you know i would say anyone who listens to this show like like you got it like that's why we're interested in the things we're interested in and like that's why like you know people like the stories i tell or the stories that you tell because they're, they're really stories of magnetization, like, you know, synchronicity and, like, you know, just, like, the strange stuff always happening and, like, the stuff you're thinking about, like, blends over. Like, that's what I mean by magnetization. And so by bringing Austin in is a... Um, is, like, just another example of, like, what life... Like, the... the the going back to like the lack of imagination of what life could of what life could look like is as highly magnetized individuals be having adventures you know that's really what the, the human thing is about is like adventures we want to go out and have experiences you know that's what that's what the 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 what i would say is like the 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 joy of at least of being human is like the the experience of being in body and like the sensations of like the physical emotional and so forth the highs and lows the like you know just the adventure being alive like you know to be able to go out and live that life as opposed to having to be part of the busyness of like you know that they say it in the word business busyness it's to keep you busy to feed a system, for whatever reason you know I'm I, I don't want to who who knows or cares that's just the way it's set up. But Austin shows like what a magnetized person looks like, still living in this in the in the realm, like in the realm, not completely of the realm. Um, but to switch, and I'm I'm excited to hear how that episode comes out. And then hopefully we'll have him back on, um, on the show because every single time that I know that my life has overlapped with Austin, it has always been uh, high strangeness in the most enjoyable sort of way. Mm-hmm. So, so to bring, so now to switch gears a little bit to bring it back up to speed. So. Um, when was it? Maybe I don't even remember what it is, what it was, but it was uh, uh, a month ago, maybe that that I went on, Christina know, went on a probably it was like a sixteen day journey down, eventually down to Florida and and then back here, and it's pretty well documented. We made four videos called "Adventures in the Shift," and that trip was done with the starboard with the purpose of like holding starboard ceremonies and um, as we travel going to places and the starboard ceremony is basically this we go on the starboard and we build the current planetary configurations on the starboard we've got this great big book where all the configurations are like listed in and it's done in kind of like a ceremonial or sacred sort of energy or attitude, and the purpose of doing it, like you know, with people who we meet and so forth, is it's collapsing false timelines. Like we, like the whole thing is about like let's get out of like the you know what you and I always talk about, Mark, like this idea of of false markers in time which are only true within the paradigm and being able to really understand with our rational mind um the markers which we can see that that's that that separate one event from another you know that's what a time marker is and we know that by by the movements in the sky and by doing that, by bringing the the rational mind, like, you know, literally saying, like, there's no such thing as friggin' midnight. Like, midnight does not exist. It is an arbitrary concept. And if we're using midnight as our definition of what the next calendar day is, we're telling you that the beginning of the entire calendar day system is, is completely based upon an abstract, and there's only one thing that really benefits from midnight being the next calendar day, and that's the banking system because midnight is when when all of like the bank transfers and the accounting takes place. By sharing this type of thought with people as we're building and showing like real time and looking up in the sky, like that does something in consciousness. That does something with a group of people. This is what co- this is what what I mean by 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 collapsing false timelines. So we're doing this. We're driving around. We're like doing it on like the most shoestring of budget as you can possibly imagine. Like and and just like like having friggin' adventure in in the most truest sense, like in the highs and lows and everything that comes with that. And so um that has been what what I guess like the uh, a big part of the last month and then and then coming back into this Bechtlesville this Bechtelsville home where we've been living since the end of December. And we've talked about that, about moving in here and 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 this being the ancestral land. But it looks like we are moving out of this place uh the middle of Jan of June, excuse me. And we're gonna be stepping into the unknown. And this is very much like a, a part of this like this willingness of I mean myself and Christie are two people who've been well served and well lived within within the the paradigm. And so to consciously step out of all of the paradigm value systems and then go and and embrace a particular mission and then, and then share that mission. Like not just for us, like, you know, to be a missionary means to live on a mission and like that mission is to alter or, or, um, or, or at least detract the trajectory of the paradigm that we were just describing right now. And so that's kind of where I've been these last couple weeks.
2: Oh hi! I just happened to hop in the room with some chocolate cake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right on! Welcome um, to the show.
2: Thanks, Michael and I were just at a sh- at a vending uh, psychic fair in Bechtelsville, actually Boyertown, but six minutes down the road from her house. And we brought the river and the stars on a table, um, and that was a really fun way, like. Michael's always talking about, like, collapsing and and detracting and, like, destruction. (laughs) And I like to think that I come in as the balance of, like, creation.
0: All right, that's that's true. (laughs) So the river and the stars, it's like we got the starboard up and we have the Susquehanna mystery.
2: It's like the the two major elementals that, that are available for people to alchemize their narratives and the fields that they're walking into, whether whether they're walking, like, with Ross Ben and they're doing that, or they're walking in Reading, like, our like, Sean um, locally, like, all the people that were running it, like, uh, Bree in Austin, yeah, we're right? Just talking like, about every, everyone's, like, walking around with this, like, nature of, like, alright, either I'm connecting with, like, the stars or the river or whatever, like, their own, like, power, their own certain power source that magnetizes their field, which then when they walk into a space, they're collapsing whatever narratives and timelines have been like holding energy there by way of their field, just being like,
0: so practically speaking, like, so what are some of the effects that you see? Like, like Mm -hmm. literally when this type of consciousness, (laughs) like how does this like show itself?
2: I mean, sometimes it's silly ways like today. So we met someone at the vending show that had met Michael back in Kutztown. Right.
0: Yeah that was the fir- that was a cannabis festival which I did a, can- a cannabis festival where it was the first event I did with Ross Ben like right. in person
2: right okay And so he ran into us just this past weekend um, and so he recommended that we go to a park that I had never been to and I grew up here and we went to the park um, and we pulled in the in the drive and there's one of those like little libraries there, like a little hut with books. And we opened a book and we started reading in it. And as we were reading, the next line was like, as the train chugged on by and literally a train came out of nowhere behind us up on the hill and just, you know,
0: started. And it wasn't a regular train. <laughs> it was an Amtrak train. It wasn't like a cargo train. It was like a, a, tourist it train. Was a tourist train with people outside. Like looking at it, it was just, it was a curious. Like everything about it, like felt like not unreal. Like it's like, like it, things are collapsing around us. Like, how did we go? Like we picked up the book cause I would, and, and it would, so I guess what, what, what I'm trying what Well, trying, we picked
2: up the book cause we were looking for something really specific in the book and then we found that. And then after we found that, like the scene in the book literally started coming alive around us as Michael was reading it. Um, and then that, and that happens often. It happens often. And then that part happened to be, um, like, a very special... You could really feel what he was talking about in that part. Like, you could really feel some, like, terrestrial kind of native energy that was very rich there. Um, For someone who's energy sensitive, they would pick up on that. But then, And then he also showed up. Like, we didn't plan it. He just showed up with his flute, and, like, all of a sudden, he's, like, over on the other hillside, from us playing the flute and then he saw us and came over so <laughs> it's just like a, you know serendipity synchronicity
1: right like right well and say and i have yeah. been tuning into uh your wonderful new series that you both have been doing together and uh i heard that animals have come into the oh. picture several times, even a, a tree frog jumping on the starboard, which uh, that sounds amazing. But yeah, any any animals that day uh, accompanying mm. the flute player and the train?
2: Ooh,
0: I can't think of...
2: Well, there's what? a dog, the dog, Groot.
0: Groot? The dog?
2: Groot the dog. We have Groot. yet to figure out what, what Groot is.
0: I know Groot is Groot's a character from a movie from Groot's a uh, character from a
1: comic book
0: yeah yeah he's a character from a comic book which they made a movie out of And I only know it from the from the movie he's a character from is it called Guardians of the Galaxy
1: yeah yeah it's funny I only know this because of my recent nerd plunge into comic books but Groot comes from uh like one of these like not like they would do like one off monsters in this series called like you know amazing monsters or whatever and groot was like this tree monster that came to life and you know somebody beat him up but yeah eventually became a part of the guardians of the galaxy which is now a big wow. movie
2: Oh wow
1: Groot Groot very odd name for a dog but i'm sure it was a cute yeah. name for this dog oh,
2: It was the cutest dog
0: I'm trying to think though what other and like has there been an animal
1: I heard I heard an owl mentioned I heard a raccoon played a role in something and then of course the tree frog jumping on the starboard which to me seems like the the most notable synchronicity involving an animal particularly you know in the realm of uh what you guys have been doing with the the fellowship of the of the mm-hmm. board, you know, I mean, maybe that's not all like recent, uh, as recent as what you just described, but yeah. Fascinating.
2: Yeah. No, animals specifically today, although group's very interesting now that I know where that
0: comes from. Right. And uh, I'll think a little bit more about that. I mean, um, so when we picked up the book, I'll, 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 I'll uh, lighten the conversation a little bit. So the book, which I picked up, it was a Harlequin romance. You know what that is, Mark? <laughs> Do you know what a Harlequin romance is?
1: Yeah, like a kind of steamy romance novel involving like... uh,
0: Exactly. It's like, it's 1980s housewife porn.
1: Ah, Right. (laughs) <laughs>
0: and so I wrote, so I picked out the Harlequin romance. I'm like, I want to find a ste-. Like I know what Harlequin romance is by like, as a concept, I've never actually like read a book. So we picked up a book and I immediately found a steamy scene and then the steamy scene and I'm like reading it out loud. It was kind of, it was like funny. And, and the steamy scene takes place on the train. So that's why when the train came by, like we're both like laughing. We're like, this is funny. So anyway, so shortly after that, we walk at we walk we start walking down to the the um the stream. So the the guy, his name is Dayla. Dayla said like this is where you want to go in this one um the this one park because we've been looking for all of like the, the really interesting um uh energy parks in the area before we leave and so like we were walking down towards this one tree which he recommended he's like i've spent a lot of time there and and the area's got a very strong native history and and the guy kind of his intuition was like this has always been like an important location we're walking there and then this really cute cocker spaniel comes running at us that's what what christy was making reference to and the dog's name is groot and she's like petting him and all of this And it's it's a boy dog, and remember, we just read the steamy, we just read the steamy Harlequin romance novel, and so like the (laughs) like this is like the the magnetism and the bleed over, which I'm talking about. And she's like petting the dog, and he's really friendly, and he's rolling on his back, and then like he's he's got a huge dog boner, (laughs) and so like this is the way that it just
1: spills over. Oh my god.
0: The silliest one. Oh, is that the silly one? All right. All right, that's me. So, okay, so there was that. So, I'll tell you um, now that we're talking about this conversation about, like, um, uh, I want to go in and add this in and then we'll circle back to the animals, Mark. I'm going down some rabbit holes. But one of the things which I know I've, that we've been focused on and I've been aware of that now that my time in this in this location in Pennsylvania is going to be coming to a, a close. I will go and really see all of the locations, the, um, the locations that are, are meaningful. And there are a few places in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, which are known as Ringing Rocks, like Ringing mm. Rock Park. Okay. Have you ever been to any of the Ringing Rock parks? Are you familiar with what Ringing Rocks are?
1: Yeah, we've talked about this on the show once before and uh you know me, right, I'm a right. rock we hound too. About it. We've I've come across it in my rock re- research.
0: So we went to it, so they're 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 boulder fields, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then these boulders, like you have to have like a, like a metal hammer, like a mallet won't work, but a metal hang, hammer, when you hit them, they like, they, they, they tone, they tone a sound, which doesn't happen with any other, with like 99% of any rock that I've ever heard of. And that's why they're special and they're like, you know, people go in their parks and after them. So, there is probably like five or 10 minutes from here, uh, one of the, a real small Ringing Rocks Park. There are a few Ringing Rocks Park which are larger and better known and maybe a little bit more um, uh, uh, nature preserve interesting. This one I wouldn't say fits that, but it was local and close. So, we go there and we take turns. On the rock. So one person, we go and we find the tone which really, like, like is most pleasing to your ear. Like, it's a very subjective kind of experience. And then once you do that, um, one person lies down on the rock. And then the other person with the hammer, like, hits it. So then you're, like, reverberating. You're having that vibration. Of the, the rock. These are like not common things that happen in, in rocks. Like that's what they're special. And you, you have that throughout your field. So the reason I'm sharing that is that, you know, I mentioned this idea of like be Like, you know, it's like, it sounds like an abstract concept. I'm always interested. In like, how do you take the abstract, make it practical, real, or t- tangible? And so I would suggest that may be such a way to do so. What do you think?
1: That's fascinating. I, I mean, when it comes to the the experience itself, like, you know, you hear something ring, you a bell, right? You put your finger on it and it you know, doesn't make a sound, but those waves go somewhere, right? So they're going in your your body, your field, your, you know, organs and whatnot. Did you feel like kind of refreshed or rejuvenated after that?
0: Um, mm, I think so. It's hard to say. Uh, what I, what I do know is so, so I know we did that and then we recorded right afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, what I knew was this was something I wanted to be doing. So there was a part of me which was, was quite convinced that there was, there was a there, there. There was, there was a purpose. This was like, this was an adventure. This was an experience. This is, this is the sort of thing which exists outside of paradigm. Why? Because you don't have to pay for admission. You don't have to buy special equipment. Maybe you could say you needed a hammer that that could be possibly true. But I think if you had a big enough rock, you could make it ring. But there was some, there was a way like, like going into the ocean, something happens. Like you mentioned, like, like the, the vibrations, like when you stand in the ocean, like wave after wave after wave, it's on a different frequency module, but like you receive that. And there's something that does seem to happen to the human being when we are purposefully um, put ourselves in the, the, the measurable or at least observable and knowable waves of the natural world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a, there's a case to be made that, you know, these sorts of locations have a sort of heartbeat that draws people to them, you know? I mean, the Ringing Rock is probably the best example of, you know, where a place meets vibration. You know, you can get a tangible sense of it, but every place has that sort of aspect to it. We just don't normally... You know, have a something we can hit with a mallet and have a you know a, a physical experience of it, but that the, the energy is still there. You know, that's for certain. What did you think about the rocks?
2: Oh, um, <laughs> I wouldn't say it, it. It wasn't like a sound bath. Like I thought it would be, like how you know, you go and you have people, they play instruments over you and it, and it does really, you feel like, ah oh, afterwards it was, it was more energizing. Like it, it wasn't like put you to sleep. It was more like the rock and the, the metal of the hammer. It was like an energi, like an energizing feeling. Mm-hmm. Right. And even the sound and the different tones, depending on where you hit the rock was, it was a very, and I don't know, just so big and heavy I thought I was gonna feel like boom like a rock but the sound and the vibration that they put off is very energizing like church like church like big cathedral church bells you know just like marching you into mass
0: yeah and and keep in mind these are big they were these are maybe five six foot water they're big enough stones that you could lie on. They're not, they're, they're large. It's a boulder field. Like it's not necessarily like an E it's not difficult to, to, to cross, but it's not like walking across a field. Like, you know, you have to uh, maneuver from one rock to another and each one has a different tone. And then when you find the one you like to like get your body, to be contorted or comfortable resting upon it. Like it's a, it's a, um, like a full
1: experience. Wow. Wow. That's cool.
0: Yeah. If you come, if you come down here, we'll give you the tour. Like I wanted to bring people like I I can't believe uh, like people don't come and like have these experience and mark the different ones with the different tones. There was graffiti all all over the place, but it wasn't like I would have, I would have at least wanted a a map because I wasn't certain what the graffiti meant. I didn't know if like the, like the, the, the devil face was like a good indication or like (laughs) is this stone I wouldn't lie on or not.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe the Devil Rock is one to to wait and let someone else you sort of observe someone else experience the Devil Rock before you go and lie on it.
0: Well, that's fine. Like I think there there needs to be some good um mapping of that.
1: Right. Well speaking of of mapping, I mean you guys have been all over the map. I know you you're gonna be leaving where you are currently. And, uh, I heard mention of this sort of wandering Kung Fu master, the sort of, uh, Kane reference in the Pulp Fiction movie, but you know, what was it? David Carradine, the, the TV show, uh, I, yes, I think it was just David
0: Carradine played, played, um, Oh, what was his name? Oh, give me a moment to remember. Was, was the Kane, show just called Kane, yes. Kung Fu? It was called. You don't know the show, Kung Fu.
1: Yeah, I remember like learning about it, but I, you know that's a that was something that didn't really get a lot of reruns. Uh, so no, I never really saw that.
0: Oh, brother! you have heard of it. Kung Fu. Yeah, I got it. I can remember. I, I remember being like seven or eight years old, like that age, maybe even younger than that, because I still lived in Richmond. And Kung Fu used to come on Sunday nights. And I mean, this is back before cable, so there's only three television stations. And my, I guess my parents watched Kung Fu, and it was it was kind it was a drama. Uh, there was some action in it, and it had this music, and it used to like like make me very uncomfortable as a young child. Like it was like too too like slow, too mystical. But, but basically, and then I watched some Kung Fu episodes as an adult and I was like, this show is amazing. But it's basically this guy who, um, he was, he was, the premise behind the show was he was a student of a Kung Fu master who I think was murdered in China or somewhere in Asia, wherever it began. And then David Carradine revenged his master's murder and killed the murderer and then moved to America. And I want to say in the 1800s and he was traveling through America as a wandering Kung Fu master and just like coming across like adventures in Western towns as the Chinese mafia was chasing him. <laughs> and every episode was like an adventure.
2: Did you reference that in the video? Uh,
0: yes. Well, I made re- to, we, you and I did because in pulp fiction oh, in pulp right. fiction the the when he said like i want to go and walk the earth like cain did mm. and i was like that's what that's what we're, what what i feel like this is becoming okay. and like that's what that's the story behind cain he was just walking the earth but he was actually running from the the chinese mob if my memory is correct
1: that checks out i did i did catch a few episodes of it now that i looked it up on uh, Wikipedia here, I'm seeing the character, what he looked like. And now, now I'm remembering... Because there was this show... We've probably ca- talked about this when we talked about the Kung Fu stuff. But, uh, but like, Kung Fu, the martial arts, not the show. Uh, when, we, when we talked about that... Because there was a channel that used to run in the early 2000s. And it was all Kung Fu B movies. And this show, Bruce Lee movies. And so on and so forth. But I do... I do like the image of you and Christy uh, wandering around in uh, monk outfits uh, fighting crimes, although I don't think that's exactly what you're uh, getting at. What, like, I don't know. What collapsing do you- timelines. Yeah. Oh, we were
0: in the stream today and I was practicing with the stick in kind of like a a kung fu. (laughs) A kung fu
2: and and at the cyber fair we were doing the the flow, the the ball tossing. Usually wherever we go there is some type of like kung fu or at least like body training, like being mm. swift and agile and being able to like move with your environment in a way that puts you ahead of normal movers
0: mm. well and what's funny mark is and we were, you were talking about this like because of the we keep on having this spillover from the books we read and then it comes into to actual reality but like this idea of and this this goes to like that original point i was making um 15 20 minutes ago mark about like the strange nature of reality particularly when you step out of the limitations Of what paradigm and culture has taught us about what reality actually is and how it's created but there's something which is happening with us and like this kung fu narrative or like this this wandering travel and
2: does it relate to avarice
0: and that's probably where but where it ultimately goes
2: right because avarice well i don't know if um or any of the listeners have caught on to oh because it's on that on the feed um Talks about he walks in a state of ecstasy. So there's definitely a nature to his movement that is like kung fu level ten, where he's moving through time and space in a way that like no other person can move through
0: time and space. And he was like an Avar, and they were like the most badass warriors, of all, like, the most badass warriors. Absolutely yeah. had a coup
2: we not fighting crime, but they were purifying the lands
0: by destroying the culture.
2: King is gone, right? There we go. Yeah, I mean, those are some pretty big narratives to carry around. Mm.
0: <laughs> but you know, Michael.
1: Now, this is a book you're reading that that comes from that you're referencing.
0: Yeah, that's that's the a, a story that
1: waiting right hear. right. Oh, of course. That- of course.
0: So yeah. it begins talking about a Abaris, who was the Mongolian shaman who was carrying the arrow and walk the land. Like, like I never thought about that before. But you're absolutely right. Like that's that that that's pretty. There, there's a lot of parallels to that and this Kane character. Right. Huh. Like is the kung fu the wandering. So so yeah, that there, there is a bleed over, and that is kind of. I mean, we're talking right now uh, in the early stages of figuring out a trip to out west starting. There's a wedding which we are going to officiate in June. And then, like, we like the idea of literally leaving the wedding as the officiants, as the priests, and then, like, starting this, like, uh, three-week, four-week trip out west.
1: Right on.
0: Cool. But it feels like but it feel like this it, it's feeling narrative like it feels like a story it feels like like this this stepping into to like a a like a, like a movie if you will
2: well we've we've gone south twice now we're going west in august we're going north and we live in the east so there's i mean that's also just bringing like a shamanic framework to it you know like walking the four directions and generally um you go in the direction until you feel like you've embodied that direction and so if life keeps taking you south and it keeps taking you south and you need to go further south further south or you just need to keep repeating your trip south it's because the south and its energy has has something more to teach you or has more um and in the tradition i learned it was purity um so we've gone to the south twice and like uh Aberyst is the purifier of the land. And now we're going southwest. And west is the direction of um courage and where the sun goes down. And so like there are all there are all these narratives that you can like lay over top of the story, right? Mm-hmm. The story of our little roles just being like our two characters. Mm-hmm. Depending on what framework you put in it or meaning you infuse in it will I think attract or magnetize um, what comes along the way as the plot develops and thickens?
1: Mm. So you're going north in in August. Is that north from where you're? Be, you'll be out west, or is that north from where you are now? Like are you guys coming up north, my way?
2: North from so coming back to the center and then going north. Like so coming back to Pennsylvania and going north. Where?
0: Where's he's in Connecticut.
2: Oh, yeah, totally. We're
0: going to stop in Connecticut.
1: We're going up to Maine. Oh, wonderful. Well, who knows? Maybe we could uh, arrange something. I know you'd have to either go through New York or Connecticut to get to Maine. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. That's exciting. Do you live near
2: Hartford?
1: Uh, Well, yeah, you got to get past me to get to Hartford. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. you know, Connecticut's small, so if... If you guys it's are going to go through Hartford, yeah. we, we could meet you there.
2: <laughs> the The woman that I bought, uh, the tiny home bus that I lived in, she lives right outside of Hartford. So anytime I go north, I make it a point to stop in Connecticut to visit her.
1: Oh, cool. So,
2: so funny that you live in that small state with her.
1: <laughs> yeah. Huh. Maybe she has another... Um we got to find one of those for Tara and I like a little bus situation or a tiny home. But, uh, anyways, Mike, I know we're coming up on the, the time limit that you gave. So, uh, I don't want to press you guys any longer for time. Is there anything you know that you want to conclude with any parts of the story that you want to uh, bring up before we wrap this one up? Did you already go
2: full circle with, like you came here and immediately were connecting with your ancestors mm-hmm. and um, Johnny Juan, the, gypsy, the the king of the gypsies. And now you're becoming Juan the Wanderer. Yes.
0: Yeah, so there is, we definitely, we, we've talked about that. Um, so Mark, I, I think, I think what I want to do is let's, let's wrap this up about right now. Because it's been a while since we've done one of these shows, and I guess particularly the Alston show hasn't come out. And let's plan on recording again soon, and then we'll go in a little bit deeper into some of the uh, some of the stories. Wonderful. That time.
1: Cool. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, I got time this week. And for everybody listening, be sure to go over and check out everything Mike's doing. Get yourself a starboard session. And Christy, if you'd like, plug your, your podcast. Obviously, folks can see you on Mike's YouTube channel, but you have your own show that you put together. Tell tell the folks where they can find that.
2: Sure. I've got a few episodes out on Spotify called Know Your Nuts, K N O W and Nuts is N-U-T-Z, and that's a podcast about nuts on the ground and nuts in the mind.
0: Is it while you are or you are? You are. No, you're nuts. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. The
2: you're being you are. It's a little bit of a consciousness um, deep dive with with the um, allegory of nuts and nut trees being the staple.
1: I love it. I love it. In Mm -hmm. one sense, you're in the my family thinks I'm crazy family. Uh, Because we both have uh, words that mean crazy or nutty in our title. So I love it. Fits right in uh, (laughs) with my show that I do. And uh, yeah, Mike, this is the handbook for the apocalypse. So I'll let you uh, get the final word here and then we'll close out.
0: Uh, I think we're about to start the next chapter of our maybe even season three of this and that will begin in our next episode. So I'm really excited to, to share where these adventures are going to go because your handbook for the apocalypse, has, which began as a concept, is now becoming an actual handbook and guide for what it's going to be like to move out of the paradigm structure.
2: The Wonderful. apocalyptic paradigm structure. The right <laughs>
0: apocalyptic on. is is the the collapse of it.
2: Yes, yes.
0: Right on. To
2: do a DIY apocalypse.
0: DIY <laughs> DIY apocalypse. <laughs>